BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, it's Jordan Younger, your host of the Balanced Blonde Soul on Fire podcast. Here we go deep on all things astrology, awakening, wellness, motherhood, channeling, aliens, and so much more. We have deep conversations. We go to other realms. It's a lot of fun. So stick around. Let's dive on in. I cannot wait to connect. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. You've got me for a solo episode today. And you guys, it is laughable how many times I have started and restarted this intro because This is the first time I've recorded a solo episode at home ever since I signed with the new studio at Dear Media. So I'm just kind of getting my bearings again. And because I'm at home, I feel like I can just talk and ramble and I'm sitting with Hudson and drinking my coffee. And then I ended up rambling for like way too long when I really want this episode to be concise and full of value. So I know when I talked about that on Instagram, you guys said, we love your rambles. The OG TBB crew wants the rambles. So I think this episode will be a healthy combination of both. We will talk and it'll be like you guys are just hanging out with me on my couch and this is going to be full of value. I want to pack this episode full of every question that I've been getting about motherhood, postpartum, all things, having a baby, the fourth trimester. And I kind of want to start by answering the question, how long is postpartum? Because my parents and I were just joking about this. I'm part of a group of women. We meet with our doula every week. And we were laughing and talking about this because one of the husbands asked one of the mothers, how long is postpartum anyway? And we were cracking up about this because postpartum is a wild time. And in a sense, after you have a baby, you're postpartum forever because that's what it means. Like post having a baby, you are postpartum. That's what your body is. But also on Google, it says that postpartum is six weeks. So that's what's recognized in the workplace and in many, many places. And that is just not okay because I'm eight months postpartum and I feel raw. I feel fresh to the world. I feel like this raw nerve exposed to the wind It's intense. And my mom and I were just talking about this, as I said, and we agreed postpartum is at least a year, if not two. And I guess this is different for everyone. And this isn't to say that postpartum is bad or a negative thing. I love this postpartum time. It's a portal 
It's a time to get to know yourself as a new person. I feel rebirthed. Something that I learned from my doula is that you can talk about it metaphorically. If your baby is eight months old, like Atticus is, then I am eight months old as the new version of myself. And that's a pretty fresh place to be. It's a very new time. And it's such a period of time to be easy on ourselves and to not put this immense pressure to bounce back or to be who we were before we had a baby. Because in life, there is no going backwards. I learned this when I had chronic illness and I learn it now as a mother. It's normal to yearn for who you once were, but who wants to go backwards? I'm not interested in going backwards. I'm interested in moving forward and evolving into the new version of myself and embracing who this new eight-month-old, quote-unquote, version of me is as a mother. And I have learned so much. So I have waited to record this episode on motherhood, postpartum, the fourth trimester, breastfeeding, et cetera, because motherhood is always changing. It's like a wave in the ocean. Imagining, Imagine taking a snapshot of that wave and in 30 seconds, it's gone. It's never to be seen again. You're already onto a new stage. That's kind of how motherhood is. And it's also freaking amazing. It's the best time in my life, hands down. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know, I've adapted to this stage of life quite well. Maybe it's because I've been through a lot of ups and downs in my life and I've already had my life flipped upside down many times with chronic illness. So to have my life, my relationship, my family flipped upside down, which is kind of what it is when you introduce a whole new person into the mix, has been something I've been able to adapt to quite nicely, although it definitely has its challenges. And I want to share with you all of the wisdom, the tips and tricks, the realness, the tea on how I've done that. So I'm going to spill all, and I'm also going to be honest, and I can only speak from my experience. So if you're listening, you're a new mother, a mother-to-be, a future mother or father, I hope some of the dads out there are tuning in too. Don't compare yourself to me. Everyone's different. Our bodies, our families, our hormones are all different. So I can only speak for myself. And that is the only disclaimer I will give because duh, like it's my podcast. I can only speak for myself. And I'm kind of sick of living in this like constantly apologetic space. I want to rather be an influence and an inspiration for you guys to just show up in your life and be who you are and not always apologize for that because I think most people understand I'm only speaking my experience. That's all I can do. And I'm holding space for everyone's experience because I have a lot of compassion in my heart for all the mothers, all the fathers out there. So with that, let's get into this episode. I did a question box on Instagram. I did two. And you guys sent in so many questions that are amazing. And it helped me see where to take the bulk of this episode in terms of topics. So we're going to get into all the topics that you sent in from relationships and baby, breastfeeding, postpartum anxiety, microdosing, body image, mom guilt, the fourth trimester, aka the first 40 days, mother's intuition, parenting style. And that's going to mean that I can only stay on so each topic for such a short amount of time. 
meaning that this is the first of many motherhood postpartum episodes. So let's just get right into it. I'm going to talk about some of these topics and then I'm going to get right into your questions because your questions were truly profound and I want to really make this as valuable for you as possible. Guys, there is a new health and wellness hack absolutely taking the world by storm. And you know, I am all about the hacks. Taking a shot of good quality olive oil every morning has a wide range of well-researched health benefits and people are going crazy for it on TikTok. Tell me that you've seen this on TikTok like I have. And Wellgrove, my favorite, favorite brand right now, has just launched a new plant-based protein powder out of California. So it's local to me, which includes extra virgin olive oil powder in the formulation. You can get the health benefits of extra virgin olive oil while you drink your daily protein shake. I put a recipe on my Instagram story from them recently. So check it out if you're looking for a good healthy smoothie recipe. It will give you brain fuel, energy, antioxidants, muscle repair, and has no fillers. It's available in vanilla or chocolate. You know, I'm a chocolate girl, but I actually really like the vanilla one too. This new formulation is from wellgrovehealth.com. Use the code BALANCED at checkout for 20% off of your protein powder with extra virgin olive oil powder and a free protein shaker for a limited time also. That is code BALANCED at the checkout for 20% off your Wellgrove protein powder. And like I said, check out the recipe that I made with them on my Instagram story if you're looking for inspiration for a protein shake in the morning. I always add spinach to make it a green smoothie. So use that code BALANCED for 20% off. Such a good deal at wellgrovehealth.com. Enjoy. Send me screenshots if you purchase. Hey guys, I'm Lindsay Carter, the founder of Set Active, and this is my new podcast, Ready, Set, Spill. Finding the balance between being a mom, running a business, and still maintaining somewhat of a social life is a constant work in progress. We live in a time where social media glamorizes everything that we do, but life isn't always a perfectly curated Instagram post. And that's coming from someone who built their business on a perfectly curated Instagram feed. Nothing here is off limits, so get ready, get set, because it's time to spill. Let's start by talking about relationships and baby. Jonathan's coming on soon to do an episode with me about this, but everybody has been asking me on Instagram, how does your relationship look so great from the outside when having a baby together and switching up the dynamic inevitably causes challenges? And we are not immune from those challenges. I got to be real with you guys. This is so hard and intense and beautiful. Jonathan is a very hands-on dad. He, from day one, has been so involved with Atticus. And I feel really thankful for that because that's what I signed up for. I know some moms are ready to sign up for being like the sole go-to parent for a newborn because there's breastfeeding and there's like a lot of times the mom stays home with baby, dad goes to work, especially for the first several months. And yes, I did stay home with Atticus for the first five months and Jonathan was working full time. But I do feel that our responsibilities were split very 50-50. And I'm very grateful for that because I know that that's not always how it is. And I'm a part of a lot of groups and I talk to a lot of women and a lot of them say that their partner is less less than involved. Let's just say that. And Jonathan's very involved. So we don't have that problem, but we have our own problems. And I'm never, ever going to lie to you guys about that. It's just an intense time. 
It's a very charged time for relationships. Jonathan's a Pisces moon. I'm a Cancer moon. Atticus is a Cancer moon. So we we are a home of water moons, meaning we're quite emotional. We have a lot of emotions in our house. We have really big feelings. And something that I've learned in the last eight months is that Atticus is going to see a lot of big feelings in our house. And I'm actually very happy about that. If you guys listen to my episode with my parents, then you know, my dad has a temper. He's the first to say it. He's a triple fire sign. And I grew up seeing tantrums and yelling. And I do not want that for my family. I've been very clear about that my whole life. So when I say big feelings, Atticus is going to see us feeling a lot of things having heated conversations, expressing our emotions and not stuffing our emotions down. But we're not going to yell. I mean, my intention, and I know Jonathan's intention, is to not raise our cortisol and yell and get super angry in front of Atticus because we just don't want him to be exposed to that, especially at such a young age. I believe that baby's nervous system soak in everything. But realistically, we feel a lot of things. And I know there's a lot of households in which emotions are not talked about and feelings are not laid on the table. And we've had no choice but to have those hard conversations, oftentimes in front of Atticus, because he's always with us. Unless he's sleeping, he's in my arms or he's in Jonathan's arms or he's playing around at our feet. So he's already been exposed to all sorts of conversations that naively before we had the baby, I would have said, oh, we're never going to have heated conversations in front of the baby because Jonathan's my best friend and he's been my best friend for what, eight years. And we, before having a baby, we're not the type to argue. We don't really fight, but post baby, so many new things are introduced into the mix. There's parenting styles, there's sleeplessness, there's massive deprivation of alone time. Routines are gone out the window and Jonathan really thrives off of routine. Myself, not so much. Never been a routine rigid person, but we don't have much of a routine right now. And especially that routine is always changing with the baby. So all of this to say what I thought and what I said would be the case before we had a baby, I've quickly learned it's just not true. It's very normal to have a lot of traumas from your own childhood be revisited when you become a parent. And the second that your baby is placed into your arms, you immediately realize like, this is real. This is the big game. This is not just dreaming and manifesting. And one day I'm going to be the best mom, the best parents on earth. It's really happening right before your eyes. And none of us want to make the same mistakes that our family made. I don't even want to call them mistakes, but we want to do better. We want to evolve. We're really into conscious parenting. I'll tell you some books that we're into. And suddenly though, like you don't have the ability to just like plan for this. You're just thrown into the fire. We spent 10 days in the NICU, as many of you know, after Atticus was born and we didn't sleep for 10 days and we were so out of it. It's like suddenly I didn't recognize my husband. He didn't recognize me because we were brand new people overnight. And all of this to say, it's really normal. Among the challenges, we also are having so much fun and having more fun in a new way than we've ever had. We look at each other all the time and we just laugh like, oh my God, we're parents. We're responsible for a baby. Like 
this is the life we've dreamed of. And we recently went to Hawaii, just the three of us. And we kept looking at each other. Like last time we were here, we kept saying, we're going to come here with our baby one day. We're going to come here with our multiple children one day. And we're living our dream. So I think even during the challenges, it's important to realize you're living the life that you dreamed of with your partner and what a gift. And so it's hard work. Relationships are hard work. They're the ultimate mirror. And then becoming parents is hard work because you have a mirror up to your own childhood. And he and I were raised very differently. So we've got that going on too. Um, I'm excited to have him on the podcast to talk about this because I don't necessarily love to put words in his mouth, but I know him well enough to know that he's okay with me sharing at least what I've said so far. So more on that topic to come. Next topic is breastfeeding. Everybody wants to know what has my breastfeeding journey looked like and what are the details? Because I have not talked about it publicly in so long. When Atticus was first born, I would post really precious photos and videos breastfeeding him probably for the first several months just because I felt like I was always breastfeeding. So I ended up taking a lot of photos doing that. And it's a really, really precious bond to capture on camera and to live. But breastfeeding was always a little bit of a personal struggle for us. And I kind of stopped talking about it publicly because I just wanted to go inward and figure out what was working for us without listening to all the noise. There's so much noise and I definitely did not want to get like opinion after opinion on Instagram, which is why I started to go through that journey rather privately. But just to give you the brief overview, when Atticus was born, we ended up spending 10 days in the hospital. I've already talked about that earlier in the episode, and it was wildly stressful. I had no appetite. My hormones were doing something funky, kind of the opposite of what I've heard from a lot of other women in that I literally couldn't eat. I couldn't look at food. I was repulsed by any food that I'd ever liked before. I think this was hormonal and also just going through the marathon of giving birth and having the baby and then having this really big health scare with him, which was jaundice, but not just regular jaundice. His bilirubin levels were doubling by the day, every single day. So we ended up going through something rather scary in which even the doctors at our hospital had never seen anything like this. So like I said, we were thrown into the fire as parents. I was thrown into the fire as a mother. And when you're stressed and you're not really eating, your breast milk doesn't really have the best chance to come in as plentifully. So I've also been through a lot with my health, as you guys know, and I was always a little worried about breastfeeding for that reason, because I've had multiple surgeries and my body's been through a lot and breastfeeding is hard work. It takes a lot of energy in the body and a certain balance of hormones and nutrition and all sorts of things that I was always hoping would work well for us. So in the hospital, I thought my milk was coming in just fine. I had colostrum that we that I breastfed him with and then my milk started to come in and I thought it was a normal amount of milk until I started talking to other women and I realized producing just a couple ounces of milk at a time was really not a whole lot so I just kept doing everything in my power to up my milk production while also having to give Atticus formula because of the jaundice and researching all the best formulas because I was kind of just 
thrown into all this without a ton of preparation. I was hoping that I would breastfeed. I thought if breastfeeding doesn't really work out, I will seek out formulas and figure it out at that time. But we had to figure it out really quick because of the jaundice. We had to start giving him formula. Of course, this had to be a TBB approved formula. So I did a lot of research, talked to our holistic pediatrician. We ended up going with Holly, which is a German brand of goat milk formula because none of the vegan formulas, either European or US-based, were up to par in my opinion. And I have a really strong opinion. So we ended up going with Holly and giving that to Atticus 50-50 from day one. When we came home from the hospital, I did everything. I talked to like 15 different lactation consultants, my postpartum doula, did Ayurvedic massages, took Ayurvedic herbs, ate lactation foods. We had a postpartum chef who was making me lactation cookies and lactation meals and breastfeeding supporting foods. And I did get my milk production up quite a bit, which I'm very proud of because I pumped around the clock I ate so many foods that I would never normally be drawn to, and I still didn't have an appetite postpartum. Like I mentioned, Jonathan helped me with this. He would feed Atticus in the middle of the night while I pumped, and I would pump and pump and pump all night so that I could wake up and give Atticus all the breast milk from the night, and then I would breastfeed and pump during the day. And I did this for four months, and I would give him breast milk and formula 50-50 pretty much during the day because that was what we had to do. He was a growing boy. And I have no shame about that. And I'm so happy to share about this here because there's such a stigma, not just about breastfeeding and babies and women, but specifically for those of us in the wellness community, those of us who know how important breastfeeding is for the bond and the health of the baby and the gut flora. So there's so much pressure, but there's also something so much more important than that stigma, which is being present, happy, joyful, rested, available for your baby. And I started to realize that with the amount of pumping I was doing and the way that it was affecting my hormones and my hormones were not leveling out with breastfeeding, they seemed to be excessively up and down and all over the place. I was, like I said, craving foods that didn't make me feel good. I was gaining weight. I had full body hives. And then I had to kind of return to my center and ask myself, what at this point is going to make me the best mother to Atticus? Is it giving him 50% breast milk while he has 50% formula, which I was so proud to be able to do? Or is it to take care of myself and walk the walk that I teach other people to do, which is to tune out the noise of the world? And secondly, like do what works for you. We're all so completely different. So When he was four months old, I did a whole workup of my hormones, my Lyme panels, my mold panels. I saw my doctor. We found that there was quite a bit of Lyme in my system. My hormones were all over the place. My adrenals were crashed. And she said, when you're finished breastfeeding, we can treat this. We can go back to the herbs that you've been doing. We can go back to ozone, stem cells, all the things that have helped you heal. And I looked at her and I said, I'm giving Atticus like as much breast milk as I possibly can, but I'm not really sleeping because I'm pumping all night long. I'm not feeling too hot. Like, what do you recommend that I do? And she was just like, you've done an incredible job. It's been four months. It's obviously up to you. You know, do what feels best to you. And in that moment, just having that permission, just like outside permission to maybe make a choice that I wasn't planning on making, helped me shift my perspective. 
a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. How well would you take care of your car if you had to keep the same car your entire life? That's how our brains work. So why don't we treat our brains that way? I think this is a really important topic and something that is just clearly not talked about enough. I have become obsessed, and I mean obsessed, with brain health, and I really want to study the health of the brain, but that's that's a topic for another day. So my personal experience with therapy, because that's what we're talking about here with better help, is that I have been in therapy since a very young age. I have found so much peace in therapy and talking to an unbiased person in my life. And if you feel like you're overwhelmed in your life and you're struggling and you need some support, I would highly recommend doing therapy. I love BetterHelp because they are an online therapy platform that offers video, phone, and even live chat only therapy sessions. It's so much more affordable than in-person therapy, which is cool. And it's quick. So if you like really need to speak to someone, you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours, which I love because when you decide that you want to see a therapist, it's, it's time. It's time to see a therapist. I think BetterHelp is amazing. And I've heard from a lot of you guys that you have really benefited from starting to talk to someone through BetterHelp since they've become a sponsor of the show. And that makes me really happy. In fact, nothing makes me happier than you guys feeling good and happy and balanced and free. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash balanced. That is better, H-E-L-P.com slash balanced. Enjoy. Let me know what you think. At that point, I started weaning off of breastfeeding. I started sleeping through the night and then breastfeeding him for comfort. First, I would do like three times a day and maybe once in the night. And then I would do just mornings for like a month. And then I just slowly, slowly started to wean completely off. And I think the gift, the one and only, one of the only gifts of Atticus's health scare in the beginning is that he was very used to taking the bottle and Jonathan could feed him. My mom could feed him. It didn't just have to be the breast for him to feel comforted. It was more about me. And I think the truth is it's often harder for the mom than it is for the baby. And I can say without a doubt, it was harder for me. He was fine. He's a resilient, independent, happy, joyful, little Sagittarius Buddha, ball of joy. He's perfect. But for me, this was emotional. I had a lot of ups and downs and it's a hormonal, emotional roller coaster. But once I started weaning and then I got to the place where I was no longer breastfeeding, I realized, oh my God, this is, this is going to be so good for me. This is going to help me get back to me with the goal of being present for myself, my husband, my son, my business, my life, specifically myself and myself as a mother. And like I said, this is a rebirthing process. So could I have anticipated any of this or planned for any of this? No. And that's why it's so important that we don't sit here and judge other people's journeys. I don't think I did judge beforehand because I always knew breastfeeding is a personal choice. But of course, I looked at it and thought, I want to do what's going to be best for Atticus's health and his psychological development. And I just want to be like super mom. And I'm here to say I'm still super mom, even though I'm no longer breastfeeding. So when I stopped breastfeeding, I was also able to do a lot of things for myself that I wasn't able to do when I was breastfeeding, which was one, start taking Chinese herbs again with my Chinese medicine doctor. And at this point, it had been over a year 
since I was able to do that because I was pregnant and then I was postpartum and there's a lot of herbs that you can't take when you're breastfeeding and I was ready to start feeling really good again. I was also able to start microdosing more. Microdosing and breastfeeding is a whole topic in and of itself that you guys are begging me to talk about. And I will say a couple things here. I'm going to have an expert on the show to talk about microdosing and breastfeeding. There are incredible studies being done, lots of research with MAPS and psychedelic therapy for breastfeeding and microdosing. But because I'm not an expert, I would rather talk about it with them here. But what I will talk about is microdosing postpartum when I was done breastfeeding. So I was a lot more comfortable with everything at this point because I realized, oh, I can my body's my own again for the first time in over a year combined with pregnancy, breastfeeding, postpartum life. I was then able to do these things for myself, which have been huge in my healing journey. So microdosing, this brings me to the topic that you guys have been begging me to talk about. Has it helped with postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression? So I've been lucky enough to not necessarily experience postpartum depression I have experienced postpartum anxiety, and I think it's because I'm prone to anxiety. So I have anxiety often, whether it's this postpartum time or not. But with all of these new things in life and relationship dynamics, family dynamics, Atticus to think about, Atticus's future to think about, and also not having a lot of sleep or a lot of time to myself, my anxiety has been raging. So I have turned to microdosing, and it has helped me a lot. A lot of people have asked me, how long have I been microdosing? Did I start doing it postpartum for that reason? I've been microdosing since 2018, and it has been such a game changer for me. When my life was on the line with chronic Lyme disease, I learned I've got to do things differently, and I've got to do things against the grain. And you guys, this was not not how it is today. Like today, it is totally normal. It is so much more accepted to talk about psychedelics publicly You'll see mainstream media covering microdosing and ayahuasca. When I first started doing these things and talking about these things, I was shunned. I was like, I would receive emails from longtime followers of mine, blog readers saying, this is the most dangerous information you could ever spread on the internet. And it was just not a public thing. People would say to me, I've never heard the word ayahuasca in my life. Like, what is psilocybin? Are you talking about portobello mushrooms? Like, what are you talking about? And I'm so happy on the one hand that psychedelic therapy has been so much more widely talked about and so much more accessible than it used to be. But I know it's still on the fringe. And on the other hand, it's becoming so mainstream that I feel like the sacred components of it are almost being kind of disrespected and trampled. And so I I have... A lot of mixed feelings. I do, but I'm mostly happy that it is so much more accessible and easy to find. And something I would recommend is finding a therapist who works with psychedelic therapy. You can go to MAPS, which is the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. We've had my old therapist on the podcast, Nick, if you want to go back to that episode where we talk about ketamine and microdosing and MDMA and ayahuasca in a therapeutic setting. And if you wanted to find someone in your area, I think MAPS has a way that you can do that. Because one thing I will say here on the podcast is that I can't recommend this to everybody because we all come from different places. I know psychedelics are my medicine. Psilocybin, microdosing mushrooms, has been a huge medicinal 
part of my healing and has been so helpful to me postpartum and with postpartum anxiety. I was starting to feel kind of stuck postpartum in the sense that there are so many things I want to do. I want to be a super present 24-7 mom to Atticus. I also have so many career aspirations. I've been podcasting again for a couple months. I'm revamping my blog. I'm working with brands. I'm doing photo shoots. I'm writing books. I have like so many dreams and I want to show Atticus that his parents are freaking awesome and they pursue their dreams and they do everything that their soul is called to do. And I felt torn in a lot of directions, not to mention beyond motherhood, beyond work. I'm a wife. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister, an aunt, a friend, a daughter-in-law. I'm so many things. And that that's not even the beginning of what cuts it. And I'm a triple Libra. So I love the relationships in my life. I want everything to be harmonious. I want to spend time with the people that I love. But there's only so many hours in the day. So a lot of this started causing me anxiety because I felt very stuck. Like I'm writing books, but I have no time. I'm loving being a mom but I, I haven't had a creative thought in seven months. Like this is how I started to feel quite recently. So I started using psilocybin in a way to really set intentions where before I was kind of just microdosing quite often. You know, it makes me feel good. I go on walks with Atticus. I can be really present with him. I can really notice the beauty of nature, the beauty of the clouds. Like it kind of helps me get into the headspace that Atticus is probably in because babies are so present and they really teach us to be present. And these plant medicines also really help me feel incredibly present. But about a month ago, I started using the plant medicine with the intention of figuring out how can I return to myself and give myself some important self-care so that I can be this person in the world beyond just a mother And that I can show Atticus that that's the way that our family lives life, that we are here for each other no matter what, and that we also have our creative passions and we can bring our greatest dreams to life. So I've learned a lot, a lot from microdosing lately and learning that maybe one weekend a month is going to be my weekend. It's going to be mom's weekend to book a hotel or go stay at an Airbnb somewhere turn my phone off and work on my books and not feel guilty about that because I would so much rather take that time than be with my baby, be with my husband, but be thinking about other things and be like, wait, let me take some notes on my phone. Like, let me have a few hours to myself. And of course that's still going to happen. But I think the more we know what we need individually, the more that we can be present with the people that we love when we're with them. And that's something that microdosing has really helped me with. So you can look forward to a lot of episodes coming soon with microdosing. Everybody always wants to know where do I get my mushrooms? And that's not something that I can share publicly at this time. But I will say, make sure that you're getting them from a trustworthy source, a pure source. I work with a midwife here in LA who grows them herself with so much intention and Reiki and love that she puts into the medicine. So don't just like buy them willy nilly because that's, you know, we hear about the dangers of plant medicine. And I still hear people say like drugs and they're not drugs. Like I don't really let people use that word around me, even when it's used innocently. I was talking about ketamine therapy with my family the other day. And my dad was like, wow, 
that's super expensive, but does that include the drug, like the drug itself? And it was so innocent and I wasn't mad at him, but I always make sure to make the polite correction. This is medicine because I think drugs are (laughs) things that you buy off the street or something that could be laced with something and something that I don't know, like that's not the kind of person that I believe that I am or the kind of mother that I think that I am. I think when used intentionally, it's medicine. And if you've read the book, The War on Drugs, and we talk about this in the episode with Nick where we talk about psychedelic therapy, there's a reason that our parents' generation and even our generation is so terrified about what might happen to our brain. But if you start looking into neuroplasticity and meditation and the work that Dr. Joe Dispenza does, then you'll see that there's nothing to really fear with our brains, especially depending on who you are. And I'm just going to keep saying like it's different for everybody. So lots of microdosing episodes to come that you guys can look forward to. I got to get into the next topic, which is postpartum body image. Everybody wanted to know, did you feel good like in your body after you gave birth? How long did it take to feel good? How are you looking so in shape, which was very nice of you guys. Breastfeeding and body image, all of that. And what I first have to say is that if we focus on getting back to our old self rather than creating a new version of our postpartum self, we're never going to be satisfied. When you grow a baby in your body, it's just the actual hard truth that your body is never going to be the same as it once was. But can you reach a new evolved version of yourself that's maybe even better and like more confident than you were before you had your baby? Absolutely. Yes, I completely believe that you can. And is there a tricky in-between period for probably everyone where we feel flabby and inflamed and loose skin hanging everywhere and like we kind of gave our bodies to someone else because we did? A period of time where we feel completely foreign in our own bodies and lack confidence? Yes, I think that that's part of the journey. And if anybody has overcome that without feeling that, more power to you. But I definitely felt that way for a while. So let's just get into it. I'm going to give you guys the honest truth. You guys know that over here, we can talk about anything. We can talk about weight loss. We can talk about weight gain. I don't believe that wanting to lose weight and feel like the best version of yourself is a dirty word or like a not correct thing to talk about. We can talk about all of it. So I'll give you the brief version of my story. So with Atticus, I was really happy that my body adapted well to pregnancy. Hormonally, I wasn't one of those people who gained a lot of excessive weight other than the baby, the placenta, the blood volume. I was obviously eating a lot more. I gained like 10 pounds in my first trimester because I switched up my diet because I just wanted to make sure that the baby was getting everything that he needed. And I wasn't so worried about the number on the scale, but I was also happy because we see people in the media and out there, and we've probably heard stories in our families of women who just don't really adapt well to pregnancy and maybe gain a very unhealthy amount of weight. And I didn't want to do that either because I'm so diehard about my health and feeling good in my body. And I was already experiencing so much pain that I didn't want my joints and my muscles and my body to have any excess pain or inflammation to deal with. So after I gave birth to Atticus, one of the first things that I said after he was born was, oh my God, I'm not pregnant anymore. And I was joyful. I was joyful. I was so ready to be done being pregnant. I was just in a lot of pain and I really was ready to feel like myself again. I'm a highly sensitive person. So I legitimately feel absolutely everything. 
in my body, the pain, the weight, the inflammation, the sciatica that I was suffering from. So let's just say I was ready. And I I said to my doula, oh my God, I'm not pregnant anymore. And I immediately, even though I still looked pregnant as many of us do postpartum, like especially freshly postpartum, and my tummy was soft and my uterus was expanded and I had stitches and bleeding and all the things. I was so happy to have my baby here and to no longer be pregnant. And I remember looking in the mirror in the hospital a couple days after giving birth to Atticus and thinking, I don't look that bad. I look pretty freaking amazing. And I felt really proud of myself. And that was my first taste of seeing myself in my postpartum body. And I remember thinking, wow, wow, like bouncing back is not a term that I will ever use. But in that moment, I remember thinking, my body kind of looks like its own. My body looks like me again. Because when I was pregnant, when anyone's pregnant, it just doesn't. But then I remember getting home and kind of feeling a little bit more raw about it all and feeling like I did have a long way to go. I had a postpartum doula, which I was very, very blessed and grateful to have. And we did something called belly binding, which helps the organs go back into place. So it's not for your physical aesthetic, really. It's for like your internal organs. And it also helps to shed water weight and let go of all that water retention because in the beginning of postpartum days, oh my God, like night sweats every night for six weeks. There's just so much excess water that's needing to leave your body. And I also took my placenta pills. I took them encapsulated. They were made by a midwife and dropped off to us two days after birth. So I think that really helped me both with shedding water weight and getting back to my body and also with postpartum anxiety and depression and leveling out my hormones. So I highly recommend encapsulating your placenta, which can be done by contacting a midwife in your area. And I just loved that I did that. I took those capsules for five months. And I also have a tincture of the placenta that I can give Atticus when he's older or if he ever gets sick because those are a dose of his hormones. So then the breastfeeding journey was interesting for me because I noticed right away, I'm not one of those women who's going to like drop all the weight breastfeeding. In fact, I'm the opposite. I felt myself gaining weight and that was a really difficult pill to swallow because on the one hand, again, just like being pregnant, I made the choice to give my body to my baby rather than do all the things that I knew would make me feel my absolute best. And every single second of this was worth it. And I would say, please, if you're a new mom out there or a new mom to be, don't waste any time worrying about your body. You're trying to bounce back or trying to look a certain way because it's going to take time. Time is the greatest healer of all. It's been eight months now and it's been almost four months or I guess three months of me not breastfeeding. And it took three whole months of no longer breastfeeding to start evening out hormonally and to start losing weight and to start feeling like myself again. Because I thought, again, like, okay, if I have all these fat reserves from breastfeeding, then when I finish breastfeeding, I'll feel leaner. I'll feel more like myself again. But that took time. It takes 10 months to grow a baby. And I think it takes 10 months to a year to get back to feeling like yourself, maybe even longer. And I do have the gift of not necessarily like, freaking out about my body image the way that I used to when I was younger, because after having Lyme, all I care about is a functioning body with energy and the ability to have a baby and like have energy with my baby. But I'm human and I do want to feel good. And wellness is my passion and feeling good and energized in my body 
and strong is something that I really care about. So I didn't start exercising postpartum until probably like nine weeks. I just did not feel ready. I had so much healing to do. And I started doing hot yoga again. And it was hard. I would be lying if I said it didn't mess with my mind that I couldn't do what I used to be able to do. And my core to this day doesn't have the strength that I would like it to have, but that's okay because yoga heals me on so many levels. And I've been working with a physical therapist and a chiropractor and just really working to love myself because honestly, that's the best gift that we can give to our children. I look at Atticus and how perfect he is and think to myself, if he ever were to pick apart his body when he's older, it would crush me. He's literally perfection. And so are all of us. But at the same time, it's okay to want to feel amazing in our bodies. Like a mom bod is real. And Jonathan will talk about the dad bod. And now that we finally are getting back into our routines, our exercise, having a little bit more time for ourselves. And now that my hormones are leveling out postpartum, I'm now eating the foods that make me feel my best where I was not when I was breastfeeding. And I'm starting to feel a lot more like myself. So my tip is to give yourself grace, know that it takes time, and also be unapologetic about wanting to feel your absolute best. But don't place pressure on yourself because you're going to be a new you, a new rebirthed version of yourself and not the old you, which is a gift. I also wanted to share with you guys one of my favorite quotes from the book, The Conscious Parent, which is, it's no surprise that we fail to tune into our children's essence. How can we listen to them when so many of us barely listen to ourselves? How can we feel their spirit and hear the beat of their own heart if we can't do this in our own life? So if that's not an excuse to take time for yourself and truly be unapologetic about your needs and be honest with yourself about your needs so that you can teach your child to listen to their heart and to feel their spirit. You can't do that if you're not listening to your spirit. And that book, by the way, is full of so many quotes. If you're interested in our parenting style, that book kind of says it all. And then I quickly want to cover mother's intuition. And then I want to get into Q&A. So mother's intuition is so freaking strong. We grow these babies in our wombs and then the babies are born. And most of us are shocked to realize oh, this baby is exactly who I thought he was going to be inside of me. I felt his personality. I felt his fieriness. I knew that he was going to be a Sagittarius. I knew that Atticus was going to be both calm and incredibly fun and wild and silly and hyper, but he was going to also have this old soul calm essence that is so special. I knew that he was going to be equal parts me, equal parts Jonathan. I even knew he was going to have a sensitive stomach like me because I just could feel it. Like mother's intuition is so strong. So when the baby's born and inevitably conversations happen with your partner and other people in your life about what's best for the baby, I just got to say this. Nothing is stronger than a mother's intuition. And it's great if you have a partner like Jonathan who has really good ideas and a really good intuition with the baby as well. But I think in the very early newborn stage, the mother who grew the baby just knows. Like you just know. And it's this undeniable thing. And with that, I could tune into Atticus's personality, even at a very young age, just on a soul level, on a spirit level. Is he the type of child who is okay to be shared on social media? Is he the type of child who's going to wish that I was a lot more private about his life? Or is he just more 
extroverted and spontaneous and can his soul handle it? Because I don't know. I think every soul out there is different and every soul deserves to have some level of discernment. And this was something that I've really contemplated and asked myself. I really love how Amber Fillerup does it. I don't know if you guys follow her, but she's one of my favorite people to follow on all platforms of social media. I've been following her for like 10 years and she shares her kids when they're young, but the older they get and when they're in school and sports and they have friends of their own and a life of their own, she kind of doesn't really share so much about them anymore. Maybe she'll show their face here and there in a family photo, but her content isn't necessarily about them. It's still about her brand and her businesses, but she shares her babies because I do feel like babies are healing and depending on the baby's soul can be a really beautiful thing to share publicly. So with my mother's intuition and instinct, I tuned into whether Atticus was cool with that type of thing. And I can tell you guys about my kid, about my child. He is, he's like, he's a social guy and he's also here to heal. And I don't want to place anything on him. And I'm really careful about the words that I use about him in public because there's so much I could say that I don't say because it's going to be his story to tell one day, but he's special and he is something else. And I do feel at this stage in his life, in his babyhood, that sharing him is beneficial to people, beneficial to me. And I don't know if it's beneficial for him, but I know it's okay for him. And if that ever changes, I'll be the first to know and I'll be the first to adjust the way that I share him. So I wanted to say that because I know I get a lot of questions about that, sharing babies, sharing babies' faces, discernment about children and babies and all those things. And I really respect what anybody chooses to do. I also have a highlight about this on my Instagram stories. I think it's called privacy or like children's privacy or something where you can see this massive conversation that I had with you guys about it, where I shared a whole variety of opinions that will hopefully be helpful to you. If you don't necessarily want to do what I'm doing and you want to do something else, you can see what a lot of other people do. All of that said, the internet is crazy. And unfortunately, it's not the internet of 1999 or even like 2009 when I was on MySpace in high school and sharing my life. Like there are people out there who I don't want to know anything about my son or our life. And that's why I'm really careful with the words that I use, the photos that I share, the things that I don't share, things that I'll never share. And that's just me. And that does go back to mother's intuition. Okay, now I could talk forever and I am talking forever, but I am going to get into our Q&A. Let's get right into it. Okay, Allie Mailer says, I would love to know what kind of help you get with Atticus to make it work, e.g. nanny, etc. So yes, this is a topic I could talk about all day because I was so naive when I was giving birth, I was just like, I'm going to pretty much be a stay-at-home mom because I work from home. My parents live upstairs. We have a lot of help from them. So between myself and my mom and Jonathan and my dad, I think we can make it work. And I was so wrong. Yes, I work from home, but I have a full-time job and I want to give a lot of credit to myself in that arena. This is not like a part-time hobby. This is something that requires a lot of time and not just time, but energy. And what fuels me as a person and as a creative person is to also have time to dream and 
journal and think, which is how I think of new ideas for the brand and courses for you guys and avenues of my business. So all of this to say, I was totally unprepared for how much work a baby really is. And I don't mean like unprepared in the sense that it's like such hard work that I'm not enjoying it. It's like I need help and support. And like Gabby Bernstein said on the show a couple weeks ago, or last week rather, if you're not working, all the more power to you. Even a lot of non-working moms need support if they can afford it. If you're a working mom, then yes, like get support for your health, for your mental health, for your life, for your business, for the betterment of your relationships. So we had a part-time nanny for a couple of months. She's amazing. I love her dearly. She was a gift in our life. And I think I needed to have a super part-time nanny in order to realize and be honest with myself about the fact that we actually need full-time support. Because between our part-time nanny, myself going back to work and podcasting and writing books and going to Dear Media and traveling and all these things, and my parents who are in love with being with Atticus and they would spend 24-7 with Atticus if they could or they, you know, they can if given the opportunity. But it's a lot of work for them. And he's not a newborn anymore. So (laughs) we're chasing around this little boy who's on the move. He needs constant stimulation. He's so much fun. He wants to be playing. He wants to go to the park. He wants to be around people. He wants to read books. And I want him to have that. I don't want him to have a half-assed version of me who's like on my phone responding to time-sensitive emails and recording podcasts and being like, hey, Atticus, you just play in your crib. I want him to have 100% of attention and love because he deserves it. He really does. All children do if they can if they can have it. And I had a nanny who was so influential in my life. So recently, we found a full-time nanny, and by the time this comes out, she won't even have started yet, but she's starting soon. And I just feel really really thankful for her. She was an answer to our prayers and a true manifestation of exactly what we needed. I wanted someone middle-aged at least, who has kids of their own, who are grown, who is really experienced and kind of just similar to the nanny that I had. And we found that. And I'm so excited for Atticus to have that kind of love in his life. And I don't know why it's like a taboo topic to talk about having help because you can't do it all. And Jonathan and I hit a wall, especially me with my mental health. And I realized trying to do it all is not fun. It is not all it's cracked up to be. Eventually, if you try to do it all and you can't do it all, you're not going to be the best version of yourself for anyone in your life. And that's not serving anyone. All of this to say, I'm really excited for our nanny to start. And Atticus does spend a lot of time with my parents. I think it's so nice to have family involved. He sees his other grandparents, of course, who we love dearly. My sister and We have friends who've really stepped up. And before we had a nanny, even a part-time nanny, I have a handful of friends who have been like, give me Atticus and take some time for yourself. And I'm so thankful for those people. So if you're listening to this episode and you want to support your friends who are new parents, don't ask them if you can help. Just help. Don't be like, hey, is there a night that I can take Atticus this week so you and Jonathan can go on a date? Be like, hey, I'm taking Atticus. Tell me if Tuesday or Thursday is better and you're not saying no to me and like I I want to do this. I would recommend doing that because for those of us who still have trouble accepting help sometimes, um, 
especially just like kindness, help from friends rather than paying someone to be a nanny. I just think that's the greatest gift and I'm excited to pay that forward with my friends and people in my life who are about to be new parents. So let's get into the next question. What are our baby must-haves? We have so many must-haves, but I will say we could not live without our Artie Pop carrier. We have two of them. We have the yin-yang and we have like a tweed houndstooth one. And you can see them in my stories. I post them all the time. They're expensive, but they're so worth it. They're really comfortable. There's also Ergo Baby that has good carriers and Baby Bjorn. So find whichever one works for you. But with a baby, you're going to need those. It is like the most comfy place for the baby to take a nap. It's so fun to go on walks and wear the carrier. If you're just around the house and you need to do dishes or need to use your hands, it's a must. And we also love our baby Bjorn little rocker chair thing. Atticus still sits in that all the time. We love the brand Lalo. They have the best high chairs. They have the best. Now that Atticus is feeding and we're on a whole like food journey with him, They have little silicone baby spoons and bibs and all the things that you need. Oh, I love Moss and Fawn. I've been telling them, please work with me because I'm obsessed with you. They have these little ice cube trays that you can make frozen milk. You can do breast milk or formula, or you can make frozen like watermelon popsicles for them or frozen veggie, like whatever you want to give them. And then you put it in this little pacifier that has these tiny little holes in it so the baby can suck and it entertains them for hours and it's not messy and it's also really amazing for teething. I still have to do a blog post about all of this and just link it all for you guys, but I wanted to talk about it here as well. Okay, everybody asks me this and everybody wants to know. I mean, I probably have gotten like hundreds of questions about this. How is your sex life postpartum? I love that you guys want to know. And I think Jonathan and I should talk about it together because it feels funny to talk about something so intimate without him here. But something that I will say about our sex life postpartum is that things take time. And depending on your body and how sensitive you are, and I'm very sensitive, it took me a long time to heal in the ways that I needed to in order for sex to not be painful. And I wish more people would talk about this. Like, I did have stitches. So when I gave birth to Atticus, he came flying into the world. There was not a whole lot of time in the birth canal. So because of that, I didn't really have time to stretch down there and I ended up tearing. It wasn't a terrible tear, but any tear is quite painful. And again, this is not everybody's experience, but for me, having a tear at all with actual stitches in my vagina was like so painful and it remained painful for months, for months. So things definitely took a lot longer to heal than I thought they would. And this is where advocating for yourself is so, so, so important because I remember having my follow-up appointment at six weeks with my gynecologist and he looked and he was like, you're cleared for sex, you're cleared for exercise, you're totally good, you healed really well. And he wasn't wrong, but I was not ready for sex and I was not ready for exercise. Like I just knew. And when I say mother's intuition, like you also have a heightened intuition for your own body. And it wasn't a good feeling. To be completely honest with you to this day, I feel like I'm still healing. And that's why I said postpartum takes at least a year. And this is really normal. I We talk about this in the mom groups that I'm in. So I'm really happy to have this conversation on the podcast because again, like the stigma of bouncing back with your body and with your sex life, like it takes time. And thankfully my husband is 
super understanding and we've been through a lot with my body and my healing. And there's other things that you can do to be intimate rather than sex. And you can get creative and you can make sure that everybody's love languages are fulfilled. My love languages are words of affirmation and quality time. And Jonathan's love languages are physical touch and acts of service. So (laughs) acts of service we're always working on. And what's important, I think, is that as a couple, you're still feeling intimate and love and like your body. There's TikToks about this. We're like, you give birth and a few weeks later, your husband is like pulling you into him and you're literally pushing him away being like, don't touch me because the hormones are out of control and you will end up saying things and doing things that you've never said or done in your life. And that's normal. That said, I've heard of plenty of people who feel ready to have sex before the six week healing mark. So everybody's different, but all I can do is share my own experience. We can talk more about this soon. I will say now everything's back to normal or, you know, not normal, but the new normal, the new normal. And I'm really thankful for that. And everybody also says like, how are you making sure not to get pregnant again? What is your method of birth control? You guys know I don't take birth control. I don't believe in it for my body. We have some episodes about this. So I don't have an IUD. I had an IUD for two days many years ago. It was the worst two days of my life. We're just careful. Like I know when I'm ovulating, we also pull out. I hope that's not too much information, but if you don't want to get pregnant, you got to do what you got to do. And I know I'm not ready to get pregnant again. A lot of people ask, when are you, when are you going to be ready for baby number two? And how many kids do you want to have? We want to have three kids. That's how we feel at the moment. We've talked about this so many times because I've met our kids on spiritual journeys. I know all of their personalities. I know who they are. I think I would not feel complete as a family. We would not feel complete as a family if we didn't have those three kids. At least that's how I feel right now. But I believe in waiting a little bit. My body is still healing and I'm also having such a fun time with Atticus and such a fun bonding experience with Atticus. And I don't want that to be cut short. I know sometimes Irish twins happen. Jonathan is an Irish twin. He's exactly one year younger than his brother. But for me personally, the perspective that resonates with me the most is for the baby to have a couple years with their parents the first child, before you have another baby, because newborns require all of you. And babies require so much, like so much love, so much attention. They're just learning how to navigate in the world. So I want Atticus to have probably two years with me before there's another baby here. And then I'd be open and maybe I'd be pregnant by then. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't be. But I do believe that my intuition will tell me when we are ready for baby number two. And I am so excited. I'm so excited for that time to come. Okay, Katerina. I love Katerina. You always ask the best questions. She says, I just found out that I'm pregnant. What is one thing that you wish that you knew about postpartum? I wish I knew that sleeping is the most important thing and that sleep deprivation is so real and that if you're incredibly sleep deprived, ask for help, ask for help, ask for help. Don't feel like you have to do it all. Don't feel like if your baby is away from you for two or three hours that that's a detriment to their psychological development. It is so important to get that time. And especially in those first few weeks, it's crucial. So if you can have some help around you, family, or even your partner, just make sure that you're sleeping, that your partner is sleeping because two sleep-deprived people do not make 
a whole and two sleep deprived people are going to be at each other's throats. And that's not the environment that you want to create for your newborn. So ask for help and also line up help before the baby's born. We lined up a certain amount of help, like my postpartum doula, postpartum chef. I knew that my family would be close, but we needed more. Like we needed a lot more. We needed someone to come during the day and help us with laundry. There's so much that has to get done around the house. When you have a newborn, there's laundry 10 times a day. There's dishes 10 times a day. And since we were bottle feeding, there's like so much washing of the bottles and you have to do it like literally all day long. So I wish that we would have had, I don't know if it's like a nanny or a mother's helper or a postpartum doula that is like cooking and cleaning and helping you in that way. Um, And there's affordable people that do this. Like we ended up finding people who did this just a couple months after Atticus was born. So I would say set yourself up for success. My friend Kelsey Patel had a baby at the same time as us, actually two months before Atticus was born. And she lined up all the support and she knew what she needed. Kelsey is 10 years older than me and 10 years wiser. I always tell her that. And her husband has two kids. Like she's a stepmother. The kids are adults. And I don't want to speak too much for her experience, but watching her have so much support and kind of flourish into motherhood in the way that she did made me realize that it's okay to ask for more help. As you become a mother, you're literally rebirthing into a new version of you. And my doula said something that really spoke to me, which is that when you're a brand new mother and a brand new father, your roots in the ground are not very strong. So you're very flappable in the wind. It takes years for your roots to grow deeper into the ground as a parent. It's just like a baby. Your newborn baby doesn't have deep roots in the ground on this earth yet. So anything that you can do to water those roots and to plant the seed that's going to grow strong. Like I know I'm using a lot of metaphors right now, but until you're at a really deep, stable place with yourself and yourself as a mother and a wife in a whole new way. And I keep saying wife, but you know, if you're not married, also totally cool. Just any version of yourself that is new, that's important. That's really important. And to give yourself a lot of grace during that time. Incredible question here says, how did you find your friendships after you gave birth? Did you have struggles with any friendships? The reason why I'm laughing is because inevitably, yes, when you transition into a whole new phase of life and you commit to the rebirth that comes along with it, and you don't just kind of like willy-nilly your way into this new part of life, which I think you know, there's the potential to go both ways and no judgment either way. But I have been through the depths with getting into motherhood. And this even happened in pregnancy. And there's just been many, many layers of this throughout my life, starting with chronic illness and kind of seeing, and it's so overused to say this, like an overused phrase, but you learn who your true friends are. I don't really know how else to put it because that is the truth. And something about me is that I don't let go of friendships and I mostly love this about myself. I have had many of the same friends since I was five years old and mostly I think this is a really good thing. I love the people that surround me and it's written in the stars for me. It's written in my birth chart in astrology. I have three planets in Libra and all of my communication planets are in Libra And Cancer Moon, I feel very deeply. I love everybody. 
That said, I have let my boundaries get trampled all over for this reason. And I've held a lot of space and energy for people who have not necessarily reciprocated. And I'm not talking about anyone specifically. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're my in real life friend, I can guarantee you we are all good. But something that I have definitely come to when you have a baby, it takes that whole you know who your real friends are to a whole new level because I can let certain people maybe walk all over me, but I'm never going to let people do that with Atticus in the picture and or like bring his precious soul into it. So I have had, I don't know, I've had a couple of really, really big disappointments and letdowns with certain friends since I have become a mother. And I have also had this above and beyond welcoming from the other mothers in my life. I keep saying that like the motherhood club is so strong. And when Atticus was first born and we were in the hospital for 10 days and it was really, really traumatizing, I heard from certain moms in my life, whether we were super close beforehand or not, like 10 times a day. And there's just something to be said for the fact that moms get each other and like my friend Laura and my friend Alex, if you if you guys are listening, they literally checked in 10 times a day or more when we were in the hospital. And that meant so much. And then I had friends who checked in also like a healthy amount, but I also had friends who didn't even know what we were going through and didn't even ask because I think before you become a parent, you just can't even fathom. So there's a lot, there's a lot of layers here. And I have had certain friends like massively step up to the plate because I've had some struggles. It's mostly been a really blissful experience for me as a mother, but obviously there are hard times and I've been really overwhelmed. And I just came from a dinner with one of my best, best, best friends. And I feel so filled up because yes, I recorded most of this episode earlier and then I had to finish it right now because I wanted to answer more questions. So all of that to say, oh my God, yes. And if you're going through the same thing, it is so normal that when you become a mother, that those things will just shift and change and that's good and healthy. And we like change. We are open to evolving. Make sure to hold your boundaries because when you're a mom, you just don't really have a tolerance for people who don't treat you well. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't want someone like that in Atticus's life anyway. And that has really helped me find this strong place, even though I'm a people pleaser and I love, like I said, I hold a lot of space for everybody. You only have so much space when you become a mother and you only have so much time. And it becomes that thing of like, when you only have so much space and so much energy, who are you going to spend your time with? I mostly feel really lucky that many, many of my friends have embraced Atticus as their own. And he has a lot of really cool aunties and uncles. And yeah, like I said, if you're listening to this podcast, it's not about you. I love you guys. I love my friends who are tuning in and I love everybody listening. Okay. So another question that I thought was really a good one was how to handle if your in-laws and or anybody else around you, like your family, has very conventional ideas of raising a child and you are doing so more alternatively. I really wanted to touch on this because this is important. We, the light workers here on this planet, we have come here to do things differently than our parents. God bless them. We love them. If you heard my episode with my parents, you know they're my favorite people in the world and they would be the first to admit that there are so many things that they did not know health-wise, psychologically, et cetera, 
that I have learned and that I do know. And we live in a different era now. So we are doing things radically differently. And it's everything. It's it's everything from psychologically to diet and nutrition to conscious parenting and gentle parenting and the way that we don't want to raise our voices around Atticus and many, many alternative therapies that I'm into and holistic way of life. So even like yesterday, my dad couldn't help himself. He's like, well, how's Atticus going to get his protein if we really do go the plant-based route with him? And I was like, please don't worry because I got it covered. If I get enough protein, I know how Atticus is going to get enough protein. And I think even my family forgets that I became certified in plant-based nutrition at Cornell online. And there was a whole section, like a three-week section on babies and food and being plant-based. So all of this to say, I think people are always going to worry in families and they have good intentions. And I can see that they have good intentions and have other people in our extended extended family said things that have thrown me off. Yes. So my advice is tune out the noise. Do you? This is my advice with everything, by the way. Tune out the noise. Do what works for your family. You and your partner and your child will determine as a little symbiotic symbiotic unit what is going to work best for you guys. And that is going to be that. And nobody else gets to really have a say. So we have definitely created some boundaries in which it's like, when it comes to this topic, please don't talk to us about it or ask us about it because we've got it covered. And we don't have to do that with, you know, most people because most people are very respectful, but there's inevitably always going to be those people that are not or are, that are less than respectful and that don't really have as many boundaries. And when it comes to them, I think you just put those boundaries in place and it usually goes quite well because what people care about at the end of the day is getting to spend time with the baby, loving the baby, enjoying the baby. And really when it comes to like those big decisions and raising them alternatively, that's up to the parents or raising them however you want to raise them. I know too, based off of Atticus's soul, there are certain things we're going to have to do to rise to the occasion to be Atticus's parents. Like I can say now with so much certainty, I know that our little man wants to be raised in nature. He has been expressing that to me on a soul level since before he was born and he thrives in nature. And so do I. And he's part me. So of course it's true. And we're going to have to rise to the occasion because the things that I can say like, oh, well, potentially like, I don't have to do that for myself. Let's be a little more realistic, Jordan. I would never say that to Atticus. I would say, no, you can live your wildest dreams. That's what we're here to do. That's what we came to this earth to do. So I'm excited for all the ways that I'm going to learn how to rise to the occasion of being his mother. I'm going to answer three more questions and I'm going to do it quickly. Believe it or not, everybody on my Instagram, we were laughing about this because I don't do anything quickly, but I'm going to do it. So sleep, how did you handle it for yourself and Atticus? This is from Ashley. So sleep was a very big, tough thing for us in the beginning. Atticus has always been a good sleeper. So we never had to resort to anything like sleep training, which I personally am not a fan of. No judgment to anyone who does it, but was not our thing. Doesn't really line up with the way that we parent. But we're also at the stage where he's old enough to sleep through the night without doing feedings in the night. And he still does do feedings in the night just because his body's used to it. So we're doing some methods. We're working with like 
kind of like a gentle sleep coach, I would say. And I think it's going to work really well for us because he's eight months, as you guys know. And I think it'll be really healthy for him and Jonathan and me to always sleep through the night when possible. But that said, some babies are like very alert. And this also has a lot to do with like their health and I've always noticed that Atticus is very aware, very alert. People will stop us on the street to say, your baby is like uncanny in how alert he is for his age and how tuned in he is with people. And I think the more tuned in a baby is with the world, sometimes the more that they end up waking up in the night. And my doctor, who's very, very spiritual, we talk about this and she I don't want to say warned me, but she warned me about this. And she was like, you got a, you got a healthy, special, amazing little man on your hands. And don't be surprised if he's not one of those babies who sleeps through the night at a really, really young age. But that said, he kind of does sleep through the night. He just kind of wakes to eat, like I said. But he he does so when he's half asleep. It's a really interesting thing. But we're still navigating the whole sleep thing. Stuart said, what surprised you the most about being a new mom? Oh God, probably, I mean, the love element was not a surprise for me. I knew that my heart would be expanded and busted wide open. So what surprised me the most? Probably how much I would surrender. I have had so many ideas of how I would do everything as a parent. And what surprised me the most, I talked about this a bit in last week's episode with Gabby Bernstein, is that you can dream all you want of being the best possible parents on the planet and making no mistakes, and making never any of the mistakes that your parents made with you. Mistakes, quote unquote. It's also just life. Life happens. But then you become a mother, and you realize life is happening right before your eyes, and it's not possible to show up as a perfect mother at all times, or the highest version of yourself at all times. And I think That surprised me because I did have this idea of myself as a mother and perfection's not the word, but like everything that I would never do. I would never do this. I would never do that. I would be so prepared for this. And then you're just, you know, you're thrown into the fire and there's inevitably tons of things that you're unprepared for. And I think the sheer massive responsibility of it all and the surrender, the surrender is really what surprised me. And I'm proud of myself because I'm not a go-with-the-flow person, but I've learned to be a bit more go-with-the-flow as a mom. And, you know, I didn't want to hand him to anyone in the beginning. And now I'll hand him to anybody. And and it's also because he's that kind of baby and you just adapt. And it, it did surprise me how quickly Jonathan and I adapted. Okay, final question for today. Kylie says, the things no one tells you about or are not talked about enough in postpartum I mean, I think I covered a lot of them in this episode, which I feel really good about. I talked about things that I didn't anticipate talking about, like intimacy, breastfeeding. I knew I would talk about breastfeeding. What else is not talked about enough? I think here, here's something, here's something that I don't think is talked about enough. It's possible to be so radically happy as a mother and to deeply know in your soul that this is the happiest time in your life. And at the same time to have really hard days and be super overwhelmed. I think that's not talked about enough. I think there's a lot of either or. I see a lot of moms who are super vulnerable and honest and who say like, this has been really challenging and there's been anxiety and 
potentially postpartum depression and people who are so honest about that and who are really struggling. And then I hear moms who are like, this is a breeze. I was born to be a mom and nothing's hard about this. I I see a lot of both. And in private life, like all the moms I talk to, we talk about the expansiveness of it all, how it's amazing and hard. And it's beautiful and magical and so raw and tender and hard. And I think online, you just don't see that as much. And then even I, I got so commended online for talking about positive postpartum experience that I started to feel like, okay, I can keep sharing all the optimism. And I do. And all of that is very, very genuine. But I think it's important to show all sides. And when Atticus got a little older, like he was no longer a newborn, I did feel more overwhelmed. And that's normal. And I'm really fucking happy. And I would not rather be anywhere else in the world than in this messy, beautiful, magical place with my family, place in life. So that's, you know, that's something. And with that, I will wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I love my solos. I love you guys. And I'm honored to have you here. And lots more solo episodes to come. I promised my next solo would be about my alcohol-free life. I've talked about this a lot, but I also think it's time for an update. I've been alcohol-free for almost four years, but really more like 10 years that I really have like not been interested in drinking alcohol, but 100% alcohol-free for four years. A lot of you want to hear about it, so we're going to talk about it. But anyway, thank you so much for listening to this motherhood and postpartum episode. Come tell me on Instagram what your favorite part was. If you can relate to any of it, any little piece of it, please do send me a message on Instagram. If you're someone who reaches out to me all the time, thank you. And if you're someone who's never reached out, but you listen to the podcast, maybe, maybe do. Maybe just reach out. I love to hear from you guys. And thank you again for being here. All right. My first at-home solo during the relaunch under my belt. We did it. And it was really fun. Have an amazing day. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. I'm so happy that you're here. Come say hi on Instagram at The Balance Wand and tell me what your favorite part of this episode was. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and send me a screenshot of your rating and review for a free Soul on Fire yoga ebook. See you next Wednesday. Love you guys.